0: Here we are back at the boot camp, and I'm glad to say I am among the living again. I've got a Yelp review for you, Bob. Oh, all right. Okay. COVID, zero out of five stars. (laughs) Highly do not recommend. It is a miserable, miserable virus. Whatever strain I got was the weirdest, oddest thing. And And then I got another Yelp review for you. Moving while recovering from COVID. Negative twenty five out of five. That's the worst. (laughs) Because here is the deal: you can't even ask anybody for help because you are like a (laughs) leper, right? And I mean, you you got to yell unclean everywhere you go. And so I I don't know if there is a good time to get COVID, but I imagine there is a better time than when you are moving. That's the I mean, it, it really it's insane how hard it is to move while having COVID. I can't even imagine that in
1: the first place and that you attempted it and did it and are able to have a you know a voice and the energy to do a podcast with me today, Jimbo, just shows what kind of superhuman dude you are.
0: <laughs> well we're about a minute thirty in now. We'll see how I sound at the end. <laughs> yeah.
1: Man, COVID's no joke. I think everybody knows somebody if even if it's not in their own family or themselves personally that has has had COVID now right at this point right so it is uh man I had it uh, in August uh, we we jokingly say that Kyle Bierman tried to kill me uh, with COVID and uh, it is just uh, it's it's a tough one man and and so I'm glad you're I'm glad you're all right and and I think of all our other brothers and sisters out there and. And Pastor Friends, man, it's been a rough one. Um, and it continues to be a rough one on churches and everybody. So
0: dang, COVID. Yeah, man. I mean, I, I know some people have gotten it and tested positive and had like, you know, almost no symptoms and, and mm-hmm. been fine. That was not my story. <laughs> I I wasn't hospitalized or anywhere near that. My breathing was fine the whole time, but it just kicked my butt in like every other way. And mm-hmm. And even for a few days, made me not like the taste of coffee. Whoa! I don't, I don't, I don't know how that's even possible. I was, I was honestly, I think that may have hit me the heart. I was super sad. Like I took a sip of coffee and I thought, you know, good hot. Once my throat finally felt like I could drink coffee, I, I poured myself a cup of coffee and it was the worst tasting, weirdest smelling thing I've ever experienced. That's my experience always with coffee. <laughs> I thought this is how other people experience coffee. That has not been my experience, but
1: man,
0: but I did have some some good good times. The NFL playoffs have been a blast to watch, man, especially my man
1: Joe Burrow. Joe Burrow is legit, yeah, and uh, he looks like he's all of like seventeen years old. I mean, the guy is just young looking in the face, and he's got this. You know, he's got this replanter characteristic we talk about, grit. He's got this grit about him that, man, he is something else.
0: Oh, man. And, and, and he, like the, the unfounded eternal optimist, right? To, in order to replant a dying church, you kind of have to believe in the impossible. And anytime they talk to Joe Burrow about all these things he's accomplishing and the Bengals haven't done this since the 80s and all this kind of stuff, he always just dismisses it and goes, yeah, we're not going to talk about all that. We're why not us? We worked hard. We've earned this.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah, and and really they have. I mean, the, their offensive line. I was watching the game last night, and one of the continuing refrains of the announcers was Joe Burrow's doing all this without a stellar offensive line. He's got a he's got some guys that are good, but he doesn't have like the you know he doesn't have like the Buccaneers or the Patriots offensive line that Tom Brady could hide behind. But man, Joe Joe Burrow is really resourceful. Um, he's a lot of fun to watch, and I'm hoping the Bengals go all the way. I'm not a big Niners fan. The Niners are playing some really good ball right now, but I'm I'm going to go
0: Bengals all the way. Yeah, I'm going Bengals all the way. You don't bet against Joe Burrow. I think <laughs> I think he's got it. And after this, maybe we can talk him into you know receiving a Lord and and then becoming a replanter because I think he could do it. <laughs> yes, <laughs> he could. He could. Well, man, I appreciate you. Going without me with the permanent guest host, the professor Evan Skelton. Yes. Uh, for last week's episode and jumping in there. You guys did a great job on creating a culture of prayer. I enjoyed listening to that. Before that, though, we were kind of going through the the character of a leader for replanting or revitalization in we said that there were five key factors to the leadership character of somebody that's going to do well in replanting and revitalization. The character, like who they are, not not necessarily skills uh, based as much as their character. And so we talked about humility, goodwill, empathy, respect, integrity are those factors. And we spent some time talking about humility before. Today, I want to talk about goodwill. And goodwill is one of those that, it's an interesting word. The dictionary.com defines goodwill as a friendly disposition, benevolence, kindness, or a cheerful acquiescence or consent. But When I was researching this, there's actually another definition for goodwill. It's used a lot in uh, business and accounting, especially when someone or a business or a person is trying to buy a business and you're calculating how much that business is worth. Part of what comes into that calculation is is what is called goodwill, which is an intangible sellable asset arising from the reputation of a business and its relations with its customers, distinct from the value of its stock stock and other tangible assets. So in other words, when you're evaluating how much a company is worth monetarily, and you're gonna buy this company, part of what you are gonna buy is the goodwill of that company or the reputation of that company and its reputation with its customers and in the market. So in other words, having a character of goodwill as a leader very simply means like you're not a jerk, like you're a joy and a blessing to be around. Like you're somebody that, and not just that you are a good preacher or that you're a good lead, but like people actually enjoy being around you. Not because you're going to tell them stories, not because of what you do for them, but because of who you are. And I think about in the qualifications of an elder, where it says being well thought of by outsiders, right? That the good reputation by outsiders and, and those sorts of character-based things. And so, I don't know, just this idea of goodwill. What do you think of when you think of goodwill as a character trait?
1: Permission to make a fast food analogy, Jimbo. Oh, do it. All right. So when you were describing the business goodwill and the value of that as a non-tangible or intangible asset, I thought of two places. Uh, I thought of Uh Chick-fil-A and then I thought of Popeye's, right? (laughs) So you have Chick-fil-A. You can roll in there and, man – In the Midwest, it's cold right now. And the Chick fil A, one of the ones that I attend sometimes or go to, man, the lines are wrapped around the building. They've got probably eight people outside that are bundled up in coats with iPads. And man, Jimbo, they are moving the line. It is moving, moving, moving like crazy. And the whole time they're, you know, saying my pleasure and thank you and they're happy and, you know, all that sort of thing. Roll into the Popeyes that's near my house. Jimbo, you're not even sure if it's open. Right, I mean, <laughs> you're just not, and, and the person. One time I went to the Popeyes. This was months ago. It was called, but the one and they said, "Hey, the drive I can't hear you. Come up to the window, right?" And so I roll up to the window, and I order from somebody who barely like is listening to me, and they just hate their life and all that kind of stuff. So, goodwill, Chick fil A, lack of goodwill, Popeyes.
0: Well, honestly, that's a great analogy because I think Popeye's chicken is maybe the best fried chicken that you can get at a fast food restaurant Mm -hmm. as far as the product goes. And in that same way, to carry that analogy, there are guys in ministry that are skilled and gifted at leadership and strategy and preaching and vision casting. But when you spend like one-on-one time hanging out with them – they're kind of jerks and they're all about themselves and they're not a joy to be around or they make fun of you all the time. They're constantly jabbing. That's like they're, the way they show love is by mm-hmm. insulting and making, you know, poking fun at you. And not that that can't be done every once in a while, but it's like, that's all they do, right? I know guys that I think, yeah oh, they got such a gifted communicator. But every time I talk to them, all they do is, is poke fun. And it's like they never... They never do anything that feels like it's a blessing to me, other than their ability to preach. And when I hear them preach, I think, God, wow, what a what a great sermon. Mm-hmm. And so here's the deal, man, maybe you can get away with being a Popeye's type pastor <laughs> at a mega church <laughs> yes. when, when you can staff out all the other relational stuff and you can isolate off and and be away from others and, yeah. and make sure everybody has to get through your secretary and your executive pastor before they get to you. But in a replan or revitalization, I man, preaching is is honestly not the bulk of what you do, right? Mm-hmm. The bulk of what you're doing is related to relationships and, and goodwill. And, and how just, is it a blessing to be around you? Mm-hmm. Right. And like, think about, Think about what it's like to hang out with you. Are people glad if, if, if you were to drop by or say, hey, can I come by the house for a few minutes? Will people be be, be glad that you're going to do that? Or, are they going to look forward to that? When you leave, do they go, man, I love that guy. That guy's just yeah. a blast to hang out with. He's easy to be with. He's, yeah. he's easy to hang out. Like I, I I enjoy that time. And so I've broken this down into five, five key factors of what it means to have goodwill, right? So I'm going to list them out and then, Let's dive into whatever ones you want to dive into, Bob. Sure. So having the character goodwill means you are a joy and a blessing to be around because you, one, have a generous spirit. Two, you practice self-management. Three, you maintain emotional regulation. Four, you provide specific encouragement to others. And then five, you're quick to forgive. I think if you could demonstrate a character – that is char- that would could be characterized by those five factors that would be a blessing to be around. That would be a joy it, it, to be around. Yeah, I, I love those and I, I, I think we ought to you know touch
1: base on them and just in terms of individual and break them out a little bit. Uh, when I hear you say generous spirit, I just think of somebody who is generous with encouragement and uplifting and platforming. And I would also say this Jimbo, that the person you described to, uh, earlier is the, the charismatic person who's fantastic on stage and can hold the attention of a room but often does it at the expense of relationship. Yeah, they'll draw a crowd, and but the, what they'll draw is they'll draw an audience that laughs at what they say. Oh yeah. But if you look at the faces of the people that serve with them and are around them, often they're the most tired and frustrated people in the room. Yeah. And and a person like that will often go through a lot of staff members, a lot of people, a lot of volunteers. So they can they can grow a crowd. They could maybe even grow a, a replant to to be some size. But their their longevity in keeping those people really is difficult because they don't have a generous spirit. I, I love guys who just have this uh, uncanny ability to to make you sincerely and genuinely feel like you are important. Yeah, and that what you say matters. and and I'm not talking in, in like an insincere way by any means here the, unto something else, right? I'm gonna make you feel important so you'll sign on to my deal, buy my product, be a part of our church. I'm going to make you feel important because, generally, I I genuinely I believe you are important because yeah, you are created by God, you're made in His image, and so I think of people with a generous spirit. It's surprisingly, um, Clifton and I were traveling and we were talking about Rick Warren, and both of us had had up close personal experiences with Rick Warren, and some of our listeners may have too. He's that guy, like he is. He's this big, loud personality on stage. He's this captivating communicator. But you know what? When when you're with Rick Warren or around him, he's kind of this guy that he may do most of the talking, but but you just kind of sense he does really care about the people that he's around. That's been my experience with him. And so I love that idea, just this idea of, man, we're all in this together. I'm, you know, this is not about position or roles or platform or size of church or anything like that. It, you're just you're a generous dude and and you love people and you love to hear from people.
0: Yeah, I I had a similar experience with Louis Giglio years ago. My my wife was an administrative assistant for a nonprofit that planned and organized major ministry events in a in a city area, and so my role oftentimes was the driver, the runner, and so whoever the personality, the guest speaker, the worship leader, if if they needed to run errands or get anywhere, I was. This was long before Uber. Or, So I was the Uber. I was the guy who drove everybody around. And so I got to experience a lot of those guys in one-on-one time in the car. And the one that really stood out to me was Louis Giglio because we we spent almost an entire day together because he had a bunch of errands he wanted to run. And it was Matt Redmond's birthday and Matt Redmond's British and... They have a running joke between them, whether America's better or Britain. And <laughs> and so we went – so Louie Giglio and I went shopping for Matt Redman's birthday and got him like an American flag birthday cake and a Lee Greenwood <laughs> CD and all these things. But I kept thinking, I'm hanging out with Louie Giglio. I want to learn everything I can from this guy. But all he kept doing was turning the conversation back to me. He wanted to hear about me. He wanted to talk about – what guy was doing in my life? What my calling was? All these sorts of things, and I I left feeling like man, like he was genuinely interested in me, and
1: mm-hmm.
0: and so he I, definitely that generous spirit, but not only a generous spirit out towards others, but practicing self management. I think is one of those things that self management is understanding. It, this is part of emotional intelligence, right? Of understanding what it's like to be around me. Do I dominate conversations? Do I, mm-hmm. do I make fun of people too much? Do I deflect? Do I, do people want to be around and and just managing those things. And so I, I learned, I, I learned a long time ago that I I'm one of those guys that can talk too much and I love to respond to any story with a story I have that relates. Right. And so if you share a story about something that I think, it makes me think about the story. And then I want to share that story. And it hit me one day. Probably not everybody wants to hear all of those stories. Like they they probably were excited to tell me the story they were telling and would rather me react and respond to their story. And so I just started trying to, to self-manage and go, okay, think about it. Does this add value? Are people, would would people be glad that I shared this story? Would they feel like I was running over their story or trying to say mine was better and one-up them and really filter that stuff and self-manage. And man, I found that people probably enjoy being around me a lot more now than...
1: I just remember all the stories you shared at our one of our initial hangouts in Jackson, Missouri, at a place called Tractor. Oh, yeah, that was that was a lot of fun. (laughs) The stories were going back and forth like a tennis match then, and it was a lot of fun. Yeah, and and laughing. But you do bring up a good point. I think by trade, pastors are talkers, and we talk at church from the stage for depending on how long you preach, anywhere from you know twenty-five to forty-five minutes, Mm -hmm. some even more it's probably good to practice listening. And I, I would say this too, in meetings, Jimbo, this is a real big, important one for replanters. If you're if you're just new on the field, man, be the be the person who doesn't talk first, but the person who talks last and the person who asks more questions. What are you thinking? How are you feeling? Have you guys tried, you know, what have you done to, to try to reach out to the community before? Or, you know, what, what do you think the questions our members might be asking are? All these sorts of things. That's, that's sort of self-regulation rather than our... our coming in with uh, this idea of like, you've got all the answers, man, pull that back. You, you've you got the call. There's no doubt about that. You've got the call, but God's placed his people there. And some of the answers rely within the body. So it's important to regulate everything that you want to say, pull it back, listen. And and that's going to, man, you probably will need to write at the top of your paper in your notebook for the meeting, talk less and ask questions more and maybe talk last. Right. So it, just try that. I I, count, I encourage some of our guys, try
0: that and see, see what difference it makes. i tell you where that stood out to me in scripture is I was preaching through the book of Acts and I noticed that there's this moment where they have the Jerusalem council because there's debate over whether Gentiles need to be circumcised or not. And Paul who obviously is a verbose, lots of words, I mean, intelligent, he knew where he stood on the subject. And and, and there was probably nobody more anti-Gentiles than Paul before salvation. Mm -hmm. But then God calls him to be the apostle to the Gentiles. And he's getting frustrated because there are these Judaizers coming, especially in Galatia, saying that you've got to be circumcised, you are got to follow these things. And he didn't just jump to what he already knew theologically to be true; like he went back to the Jerusalem Council. And if you here is what stood out to me: if you read through the Jerusalem Council account, you don't hear basically anything from Paul.
1: Mm -hmm.
0: Like he brings the issue to the Jerusalem Council, and then he stops talking. Yeah, and he lets them talk, and and so the other thing I realized is, as a pastor, you have this positional. Power and authority, even if it's just perceived by some, that like your word becomes the last word, even if it's the first word. Mm-hmm. Yep. Which is which is why it should be the last word. Yeah. Like because yep. it, it's going to make people feel like they can't share, and so especially in meetings where you're trying to make decisions about the direction of the church or a ministry or something like that, the moment you share your opinion, it it just comes with a lot more weight. Mm-hmm. Than everybody else in the room. Now, whether that's should should be true or not, that's another debate or conversation. Maybe it should be, but mm-hmm. just be be mindful of that and make sure that everyone feels valued by managing yourself. And then the other thing is part of this emotional intelligence is is emotional regulation. Like you can't you can't be the guy that blows up, right? Like the, when people get really upset and they're immature, they are not able to regulate their emotions. And it comes out in outburst, and so what that tells you that outburst is a lack of self-control and a lack of maturity. And it's easy for us to want to respond in kind when that happens, when somebody comes at that at it like that, to be able to go, Oh yeah, well, and then in the same way, man. There's countless verses in proverbs and in the Bible about what it means to just take it and and be calm and 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 have a soft response and emotional regulation, but also to not like there's the other side of emotional regulation, not just in conflict, but like not letting it get you depressed. Try, you know, knowing where your identity is, knowing where your value is, knowing where your worth is will allow you to be a more emotionally regulated person. Yeah. I
1: I think of another instance that I was a part of a staff team and we were discussing something. I can't even remember what we were discussing but I I can get wound up and communicate with a lot of passion, right? And almost like um, but I think like a Caleb, right? Like, give me the hill country, or you know, or like even before it's like, you know, yeah, they're giants in the land, but our God is with us. Like, let's go, right? Come on, let's do that. And so it was kind of one of those moments. And and uh, our children's pastor at the church that I was serving it at, at the time came up. You know, we were we were talking about a specific issue and. We were trying to incorporate like open and honest dialogue and debate and not take issues personally. And so she felt like my passion was so strong that for her, it was diminishing her. And so I I learned from that experience, okay, there's a time to really speak with passion, but there's also a time to to be aware of the room if you're speaking with some passion. And, And I have a tendency to be direct too at times. In with my high D personality. So high D directness combined with passion is like a steamroller in the staff room. Yeah. Right? Yeah. And, and so, man, I have to dial that one back. And especially if if I feel strongly about something or somebody is, and this is a hard one for me, and I'll just, you know, I'll say this honestly and, and admittedly, Jimbo, I don't know if you notice this, but sometimes people say stupid things. You ever notice that? Yes.
0: <laughs> right.
1: so, you know, I'll be in a meeting and somebody just say something that's just like, oh man, that is, I can't believe. Like, I just can't believe. And it's, you know, I just, I'll leave it at that. And so they're inside of me, this war is like raging to in a couple ways. One is like, I can't let that stupid thing be the last word to be said. I can't believe they said that like they're on staff, like, come on, man. Like, you know, that sort of thing. And so I've got this internal war that's just like happening in me. And it reminds me of a girlfriend that I had in high school. I knew it was going to be a bad day when I would show up at, at the school, the hallway or something. And she was, I don't know how she did this Jimbo, but her eyes closed from the bottom. You know, most people's eyes, the eyelids will go down, but if she would get mad at me, her eyelids, it seemed like her eyes, and it could be an optical illusion, but her eyes would like close from the bottom. And I know like, this is going to be bad. This is going to be a bad day. right? (laughs) All that to say, I'm like in a staff meeting and man, I could, so a couple of my friends at this one church, like, bro, we know like that, that guy was like, when he said that, that was like twisting you out and, and uh, we could just see it brewing in you, but thanks for not like unloading on him. Right. I think. And that's the thing is like, Nonverbal communication, verbal communication, this whole idea of man, you have got to be, and it's hard, you got to be uh, aware of everything that's happening within you and be able to self regulate.
0: All right. So, after emotional regulation, I would say provide specific encouragement to others. Yep. I try to tell my kids all the time how proud I am of them or how much I love them. And my oldest son, out of the three probably deals with a low self-esteem more than the others. And and he, uh, I'll say, buddy, I'm so proud of you. And he'll go for what? (laughs) (laughs) Like, like years ago he started that and it hit me like, man, he, he doesn't just need me to say I'm proud of you or I love you. He like, he wants, he wants specifics. So even like when he plays sports, he, he wants to know, hey, what can I work on? What am I good at? Like, and he wants to know specifics. And and really, we're all like that. Like, sometimes when people, I think, I feel like sometimes there are leaders who read in a book or heard in a conference or on a podcast somewhere, hey, you need to be encouraging or people will get frustrated working under you. And so they just all the time will say, you guys are so great. You're doing a great job. But they never like give specifics. And eventually, once you give general praise enough, it it really loses a lot of weight and power because it feels like it's fluff. And so there's a lot of power when you can say, hey, you did a really great job leading that specific ministry outreach or the way that you were sharing the gospel with that guy or – I mean, you're such a good neighbor. Like I always hear about how much you're loving your neighbors or mm-hmm. you're so hospitable. Or like giving specific encouragement is so much more powerful than general encouragement. Mm-hmm.
1: Yes, I, I think it is important to do that because as our good buddy Mark Halleck says, one of the things we lack like most in the culture that we live in is specific encouragement. Encouragement in general, but specific encouragement. So I, I think that you're right on.
0: And then lastly, it would be to be quick to forgive. Man, just don't be known as the guy who holds a grudge. People are going to hurt you. People are going to disappoint you. People are going to betray you and replanting and revitalization. I mean, that's just the truth. It's just going to happen. Mm-hmm. And you've got to figure out what you what you got to do to understand how much you've been forgiven, so that you can be prepared to forgive others. Because if you become known as a guy that once you cross them, you're kind of done and blacklisted, man, you're no longer a joy to be a blessing around, you're a joy and a blessing to be around. And that's, again, what does it mean to have goodwill? It's, man, I like being around that guy. He has goodwill. He, mm-hmm. He's encouraging. He he listens to me. He has a generous spirit. He's well, he self-manages. and. He seems emotionally like really stable and then I've messed up and he's quick to forgive me. And so pastor as you as you lead, yes, you need to be a good preacher. Yes, you need to have good strategy. Yes, you need to be a good evangelist. Yes, all those skill-based things. But you also just need to be a joy to be around and like don't be a jerk. Be be a blessing. <laughs> have be a guy that has goodwill for others. Love the list. One practical application. Just take
1: these bullet points. And then what I would say is sit down with either uh, a person you really trust, an elder you really trust, or maybe even your spouse and just say, hey, which of these am I practicing well or am am I exhibiting well? And which of these maybe would be helpful for me to work on as I lead? And then Use that as a, as a good constructive feedback, again, from a person you trust to uh, launch you into efforts to, to you know, be more a person of goodwill and uh, see how that makes a difference in your church and your relationships and your staff and your elders and your deacons and in the people around you.
0: Excellent. Hey, we hope to see some of you guys in New Orleans in just a, a week or two, two weeks, and it's sold out. It's maxed out. So we're so excited. It's going to be a great time together. I look forward to talking to you guys next week. Have a blessed day and be a blessing and a joy. Thank you for listening to this episode of the Replant Bootcamp Podcast, a resource for replanters by replanters. If you enjoyed this episode or found it to be helpful for you and your ministry, please help us get the word out by subscribing, sharing, sharing, and leaving us a review on your favorite podcast listening platform. This podcast is sponsored by 180 Digital. 180 Digital is a team of design, development, and marketing experts that love working with churches big and small. Check out 180.church, dot Church to learn more about how 180 can help your church move forward.